Happy Resurrection Sunday. I'm Jamie. I'm one of the pastors here at Cornerstone. What do Christians do on Easter morning in the middle of a global pandemic? We do the same thing we've been doing for 2,000 years. We open the Bible, we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we remember the faithfulness of God. Sadly, we can't gather together this morning like we normally do, but we can huddle around God's Word with the same mind and the same heart, praying the same prayers, trusting in the same God. How I miss you, Cornerstone. How I can't wait to gather with you again soon. The Lord has been kind to us. He is sustaining us. He is comforting us as he always has, as we know he always will. How important it is, especially in a time like we're in right now, to remember the faithfulness of our God. Have you ever noticed how we're never so forgetful except when we're in the middle of struggle? Have you noticed that we're never so quick to rewrite the history of God's faithfulness to us, except in the times in which we need him to be faithful to us? The more we need God to act in power, the more we need to remember all of the times in which he already has. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Knowing that whatever, whatever is and whatever will be, is ultimately going to work out because of what was. On the cross, we see in Jesus the love of God poured out richly on his church. And we have no reason to doubt that he will continue that love until now. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 1, Moses wrote, Lord, you have been a refuge to all generations. And this morning, we're going to look at the benefits of remembering the Lord's past faithfulness. We're going to see how remembering the Lord's faithfulness in the past will strengthen us for today and will give us hope for tomorrow. So I would encourage you to follow along in your home worship guide that you will see attached to the video. As we mentioned last week, we created a page on the church's website where you can find the links to the videos and to the worship guide and to the song list and to the sermon discussion. It is my honor and privilege to invite you to point your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. As you're turning there, I would like to pray. And I'm going to pray a couple of things. We're going to continue to pray through Psalm 119. Today we'll be praying verses 105 to 112. I'll put that here on the screen. And uh, also going to be praying for revival in Pickwell. Praying the Lord would use this pandemic to bring revival to our town. Let's pray. Eternal Father, you are God forever. Before the mountains and the seas were formed, before you spoke them into existence, you were God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You are forever, without beginning, without end. You are permanent and perfect. You never change. You do not evolve. You cannot improve. You speak, and so it is. 
Your word is truth, a lamp to our feet, a light for our path. The way forward is sometimes uncertain, but your word lights the way. The Bible is a spotlight for us in the dark. Lord, we commit to keeping your word, committing to keep your righteous rules. For you know better than we what is right and what is good. Lord, many of us feel afflicted. It feels like everything is falling apart. Will you give us life by your word? In the midst of this pandemic, when many are afraid, will you fill our mouths with praise to our God? Fill our minds with your truth. Teach us your rules for life, for godliness. When we feel like our life is in danger, remind us of your instructions. Fill us with your spirit and bring scripture to our minds. The wicked try and throw us off track. Will you keep us steady? Will you keep us faithful? We have inherited your word. It has been handed down to us by those who've come before us. Lord, thank you for them. Let us hear your testimonies, the stories of your great faithfulness, the stories of men and women whom you've delivered, you've protected, you've preserved, and let those stories bring joy to our heart. Lord, set our hearts on keeping your word creating us a desire to follow Jesus, to honor him with our whole lives in every way and until the very end. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Father, our hearts are with the people of this city during this time. Piqua needs Jesus. Will you bring revival to our town? Will you use this coronavirus to sensitize our citizens to their need for God's mercy? Holy Spirit, will you go into our town and convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment? Will you draw sinners to repentance? Lord, when this quarantine is over, may the gospel preaching churches in this town be filled to capacity with those who've come to faith. May this virus remind us all of our frailty, of our dependence on you, and may it drive us to our knees in prayer for your grace. Lord, open the blind eyes of sinners in Piqua. Let them see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Turn them from sin. Give them faith. Grant to them repentance. Lord, don't harden the hearts of our neighbors and friends. Soften their hearts. Bring them to Jesus. Enable them to trust him. To Jesus belongs all glory and honor. Amen. It was sketched on the plaster walls of what was probably an old Roman church, a Roman school. It was the crude drawing of a man stretched out on a cross, a man with the head of a donkey. Below him was another man with a hand raised toward heaven. An inscription in Greek read, 
Alexamenos worships his God. This is the earliest depiction of the cross of Jesus Christ that exists. It comes from somewhere around 200 A.D. It was the drawing of a young man, presumably Alex Menos, who was worshiping his God on the cross. A man depicted with the head of a donkey. I wonder if Alex Menos were a student at that school. And this now infamous Graffiti, where his Roman classmates attempt to shame him for worshiping his God, who was crucified. Crucifixion was not invented by the Romans, but it was perfected by the Romans. It was the most cruel and shameful form of torture that could be achieved. It was designed for two purposes. One, to put the accused to the greatest shame imaginable. And two, to maximize suffering for the longest time possible. It was not only punitive, but it was also declarative. It would punish wrongdoers, but it was also declaring a statement to all passerbys, this is what happens when you defy Roman government. Crucifixion was reserved for the worst criminals. The offender was stretched out on a crisscross beam naked, attached to the wood with ropes or nails. They were hoisted just above eye level for all to see. A seat was often attached to the vertical beam so that the criminal could push themselves up and breathe, thus extending their suffering. Eventually, usually after many days, they would dehydrate, lose strength, and asphyxiate under the weight of their own dying body. It was a most shameful way to die. The cross was disgraceful to the Romans. The cross was a sign of a curse to the Jews. But the cross became a symbol of life and hope for the Christians. From Alex Manos to the present Day, every Christian looks to the cross for life, for meaning, for safety, for hope. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the cross of Jesus Christ as a sign that God is faithful and will keep his promises. We will look at the cross as we seek to endure the race that is set before us. This pandemic is a race that has been set before us. It is a race that we all must run. No one chose this race. It's been prescribed. And I would encourage you, do not waste this pandemic. By now, you're likely tired of hearing about coronavirus Tired of the same news every day. How many cases? How many deaths? And I get it. But we must run this race. We must endure. And there is more to be endured. More reasons for us to pray. This may go on for several more weeks. It may go on for months. Whatever the Lord wills. But we must be careful 
not to waste this season, not to grow weary in our faith. We are being tempted right now to lose heart. We're being tempted to desire relief more than we desire faithfulness. Don't give in to that. Of course, we want a return to normal, and we will soon return to normal. But if, having suffered this separation, having suffered a loss of income, having even suffered the loss of loved ones, without enlarging our capacity for joy in the Lord, without enlarging our devotion to His glory in His church, without the accomplishment of His global mission, well, I'm afraid this pandemic will have been lost on us. And may the Lord be gracious and spare us from thinking that this is mostly about the inconvenience of having to work from home, or not being able to go out to eat, not being able to visit a barber, not being able to go to the movies. At the very least, this is about God's people enduring well, running our race, and holding on to the promises of God. Dear Cornerstone, dear Cornerstone this is our time. You and I need to join ourselves with the saints of old, from Abraham to Moses to King David to Alexamenos, and to be held joyfully in the tension between God's promises and God's fulfillment. Let us look with great hope upon our crucified Savior, upon His empty grave, and endure the race set before us. Here's my encouragement to you this Easter morning. Look to Jesus and endure well. Look to Jesus and endure well. Three points I will draw from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. First, listen to your family. Second, look to your Savior. And third, endure with strength and hope. Those are the three points that will guide us through our passage this morning. should be around 30 minutes or so, and you're welcome to follow along on your home worship guide. Let's get to work. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. First point in verse 1, listen to your family. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight which, and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
Every family has stories to tell. Stories of parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, ancestors. Recently, my Uncle Joe came over to my house, and he and my father had a conversation about their upbringing, about my grandparents. I just listened and loved it. All of us have family stories, and family stories tell us who we are. Family stories shape us into who we will be. The family of God is no different. The author of Hebrews is writing to Christians who are suffering some difficulty. In chapter 10, he ends with, uh, it ends with the writer encouraging these readers to keep the confidence that they have in God's promises. He will come and he will deliver you. He will be faithful and keep his promises to you. So he tells them, endure, don't shrink back, keep the faith. Faith, which he describes in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is what we have when we're between God's promises and God's fulfillment. Faith is acting on the knowledge that God always keeps his promises. To encourage their faith, the author tells the, his readers family stories. He tells them stories of men and women who trusted in the promises of God, even though they never saw the fulfillment of those promises in their lifetime. In the middle of difficult and uncertain times, these men and women of the past looked forward to future fulfillment of God's promises. So he tells them the stories of faith from Abel to Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. He runs out of room, but would have loved to tell them stories about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David, Samuel, along with nameless men and women who endured, who endured lions and fire and sword and torture and mocking and flogging and chains and prison and stoning and destitution and affliction and mistreatment. And all of these, the writer says, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Hebrews 11 is a collection of our family stories. These are our spiritual ancestors. They are members of the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. They endured uncertain times. They ran a difficult race. And they are witnesses to us that God will be faithful. Some of them ran well. Others ran less well. But all of them looked forward in hope to God's future fulfillment of His promise. All of them looked forward to the very thing that today we're looking back on, to Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. These ancestors of ours, they call us to lay aside every weight and sin and to run our race with endurance. God held them and their lives between promise and fulfillment. 
And he was faithful to them in their day. And he will be faithful to us in ours. The Christian life is a lot like an endurance race. In preparation for a very long race, I suspect a runner could be tempted to bring along some supplies in case she needs them. I suppose she would want to bring some water in case she would get thirsty, some food in case she would get hungry, perhaps a jacket in case she would get cold. Maybe she would want to bring along another set of shoes in case hers wore out. Perhaps she would want to bring a GPS in case she gets lost. But at some point, there is a law of diminishing returns. And in the Christian life, there are things that we must lay aside, things that would weigh us down, sin that clings so closely. We must travel light and trust the Lord will provide. Run with endurance the race set before you. This pandemic is a race set before us now. There are some things that have been taken away from us, some freedoms that have been suspended. It's as good time as any to do some introspection. What exactly do we need to endure well anyway? What exactly are part of our life that are unnecessary weights that we can lay down? How many things in our lives are just simply latent sins that cling so closely that we've simply forgotten that they're there? Listen to your family. Listen to the stories of those who have come before you. Look how they have looked to God in faith. How has God shown himself faithful to them in their day? And was there anything that encumbered them in their race? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. These things took place, speaking of the Exodus, as examples for us, so that we might not desire evil as they did. Notice, the author in Hebrews is not telling us to look to our ancestors for hope. The author is telling us to look to what they looked to, to look to the Redeemer. They saw him, but they saw him dimly in shadows and types. We see him clearly, Christ Jesus the Lord on the cross. Listen to your family and look to your Savior. This is verses 2 in the first part of verse 3. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Look to Jesus. Consider him. Have eyes only for Jesus. He is the founder of our faith, the author, the pioneer, the one who went before. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone, the one upon which we build our lives. He's the one we look to for instruction, for direction, 
for courage. He is our rock-solid foundation, and he will not fail. Come what may, famine, pestilence, sorrow, hardship, pain, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Whether we live to tell these stories about this pandemic or whether this pandemic takes us home to glory, we are Christ's and Christ is God's. Romans 14, verse 8, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Look to Jesus today. He is the perfecter of your faith, the finisher, the alpha, the omega, the first, the last, the beginning, the end. He is the everything. Hebrews 10, 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He is the perfecter of our faith. The writer says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Joy was set before Jesus as he endured the cross. You see, the Lord Jesus was no helpless victim. He wasn't a casualty of the political maneuvering of Pontius Pilate and the Jews. Jesus laid down his life of his own accord. You understand, it was not the nails that had held him to the cross. It was his commitment to his Father's glory in the salvation of the elect. He endured the suffering of the cross, endured the great shame of crucifixion, endured the mocking of the hostility of sinners. And why? For our sake, for the Father's glory, to bring, as Hebrews 2 says, many sons to glory. Hebrews 2, 10 and 11. For it was fitting that he by whom and through whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. He is the founder, the finisher of our faith. Jesus is everything. The cross of Jesus is where the penalty of sin was paid. The cross of Jesus is where the justice of God was vindicated. The cross of Jesus is where he became our substitute. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 1 Peter 2.24 He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Jesus died the death we deserve. But death held no jurisdiction over Jesus. He had no sin, so death had no hold on him. The grave spit him out. God raised him from the dead three days later. He ascended to the Father where he sits enthroned forever at the right hand of God. All the work that was needed is done. It is finished. All the heavy heavy lifting is done. So what is left for us? To rest. To trust. 
to look to Christ and to lean on the finished work of the cross. If you're watching this and you're not a Christian, it's not by accident that you're watching. God wanted you to know that there is freedom and forgiveness for your sins. Turn to Jesus today. Repent of your sins. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Reach out to us. If you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, reach out to us online. We'd love to help you get started on a new life following Jesus, a new life of freedom and forgiveness. Well, whether you've been a Christian for 10 minutes or for 10 years, look to Christ. This is what Easter is all about. It's about remembering Jesus. It's about looking to him. It's about considering his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. But to what effect? How does looking to Jesus help us through this pandemic? How does looking to Jesus help us to endure as we run the race set before us? Well, the answer to that question comes at the end of verse 3. Endure with strength and hope. As you look to Jesus, consider him so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Looking to Jesus will give you strength and hope to endure. So how is that? How does that work? How does looking to Jesus give us strength and hope to endure? Well, think about it. What makes you weary? Why do you lose heart? You get weary when, you, when, when your strength runs out, right? You get tired when you're out of strength. And how does that happen? Well, it happens when you're looking for strength in the wrong place. The most natural place to look for strength is in ourselves. Well, this is, this is self-defeating. I mean, we're the ones spending strength. So to look to ourselves for strength, that's silliness. Like if it takes more money to make money, then eventually you're going to run out of money. That kind of business model only works in government. If you're running a physical endurance race, it takes grit and determination, probably long legs and a slender frame. But running the spiritual race takes faith. It's fueled by dependence on Christ. Paradoxically, we are strongest when we're resting in the Lord. To the extent in which you and I tether ourselves to the Lord Jesus as the source of our strength is the degree to which we will endure with faithfulness and joy. Look to Christ who endured such agony for our sake. Consider him who endured so much to secure the salvation of God's elect. And do you think now, after having spent so much, that he will suddenly become lax in caring for his people during a pandemic? After he spent so much to save us, will he now just lose us? 
Just, just listen to how the Lord prayed over his disciples in John 17. Father, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. Holy Father, keep them in your name. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost. Cornerstone, you have been united to Christ. No one can take you out of the Father's hand, and he's not going to let you fall. Lay aside the fear that is weighing you down. Look to Christ. Jesus said this in John six thirty nine, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Dear friend, you are as safe in Jesus as Jesus is faithful to his Father. Not one person who has trusted in Jesus Christ will be lost. Not one. For one to be lost would mean that Jesus has failed his Father. And I promise you, he won't fail. The power to keep you going in this race, it's not in you. Stop looking for it there. Those are wells that run dry. Look to the author and finisher. Look to his faithfulness, to his father in the cross he endured. Because there, my dear friend, is the source of your strength. Listen to him saying to the Father those words in John 17. I won't lose them. You have given them to me and I won't let them go. No matter what you're enduring. If you're battling an eating disorder, Jesus will hold you. If sexual temptation is clawing at your soul, Jesus will keep you. If your husband leaves you, Jesus never will. Why do we lose heart? Well, isn't it for the same reason? We've set our hope on the wrong things. If hope means for you uh, an undisturbed life with little pain, minor inconvenience, well, we've seen recently how quickly that can change. Our hope, if it is for ease, will be lost. Our hope, dear Christian, is in the Lord. And in this, you will not lose heart. Train your soul to hope in the Lord, like the psalmist. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is in Him. Our hope is not in the promises of our government. It's not in the projections of a model. It's not in a forthcoming vaccine. Our hope is in the Lord. The grave is empty. God's promises are true. 
You can bank on them. Stop worrying about the future. You don't know when this is going to be over, and it's not up to you to know. Just believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Be faithful today, and trust tomorrow is in the Lord's hands. We are awaiting a heavenly city, a city made without hands, the city of God where there is no sickness, where there is no disease, where there is no child abuse, where there is no child neglect, a place of perfect peace and everlasting joy and unimaginable beauties. Hebrews 13, 13. Let us go to Jesus and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Our spiritual ancestors, they ran their race. They set their hope on their Redeemer. They trusted in God's promises. And so has every Christian since the beginning of time. Not one of them, not one, has been let down. Not one of them has been found lacking. Alexamenos, whoever he was, worshipped God, his crucified God. And he was not put to shame. No, because that shame was put on Jesus. Trust in Jesus today, Cornerstone. Run your race with endurance, just like your spiritual parents and their spiritual parents before them, you will not be put to shame. Jesus is risen. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Let's pray. Lord, you are faithful. You are the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love for a thousand generations. Forgive us for questioning your faithfulness your goodness. We confess that we have doubted you. What right do we have after all? After all that you have done, after all that you have shown us about yourself, what right do we have to doubt you? Forgive us. Lord, we have looked to ourselves for strength. We have not endured well. Have mercy on us. Will you grant us the endurance that we need? Will you enable us to draw strength from the Lord, to be steadfast in our hope in the Lord? Will you give us grace this week to trust your promises? Lord, take us to examples in your word this week and cause us to know your steadfast love. Enable us to endure this race with the praise of God on our lips with the joy of the Lord in our hearts and with the Spirit of God moving through our lives. Don't let this pandemic be wasted on us. 
make much of Jesus through us. Widen our view of his majesty. Enlarge our hearts to love him and to love one another. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Your assurance of pardon comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Grace and peace.